Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for memorial day get 15 off your burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25 off outdoor That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. My guest today is Candice Brathwaite. Candice is a critically acclaimed best-selling author, journalist and TV presenter with over a quarter of a million Instagram followers. Born and bred in Brixton, Candice is straight-talking and exuberant, intent on sharing the joy to be had in being young, British and black. She gives a vital perspective to British motherhood today, campaigning for an accurate and diverse depiction of mothers in the media. Candice's first book, I Am Not Your Baby Mother, made it to the Sunday Times bestseller list, a thought-provoking, inspirational guide to life as a black British mum. She has since written two more books, including her debut novel, Cuts Both Ways, released last year. She is a self-confessed fashion and beauty addict, often seen on our TV offering style advice, as well as also being a contributing editor to Grazia and other media channels. She lives with her husband, Papa B, and two children, aiming to show the world you can live against social norms and thrive. She is positive, fun-loving, and inspirational to so many people, and I cannot wait to dive into all of her Sliding Doors moments. So welcome to Sliding Doors, Candice. What an intro! God damn! <laughs> what a woman! <laughs> Thanks. You've done it all. <laughs> Thanks for you... having me. I especially like the young bit. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all young. As young as we feel. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I knew as soon as I chatted to Bode that I wanted to have you on as a podcast guest. So really glad we were managed to make that happen. Um, so I've described you in a lot of different ways there, but I'd love mm. you to explain your own words. Who is Candice and what do you do? 
Candice is a writer first and foremost, or actually a storyteller, because Mm -hmm. I I used to just say writer, but I like to tell stories across many different mediums. And I'm just a South London girl, really. I think at the heart of it, of course, I'm a mum and a wife and all those other things, but I'm just a South, I'm a South London girl done good, I guess. Um, That's how people would say it anyway. Yeah, I love that. I like saying you're a storyteller because actually, you know, it's that's kind of expresses the way in which you write and the way that you want to be able to kind of get a reaction from your your audience yeah exactly even like the way I use Instagram stories so I'm like trying to learn to run again at a good pace and so every morning I just show up on Instagram stories and it's like storytelling because today Mm -hmm. people saw me they watched me fail like there was an interval that I just flagged on and I was like I'm not gonna edit that out because it's actually part of the story because people might be watching me thinking oh my gosh she's going so hard I'm like no no I have multiple failure moments and I think even Instagram stories if used right can um, enhance our storytelling day to day a hundred percent you're right I think if we can use social media in the right way Mm. it's such a powerful tool and and you mentioned there kind of you're very honest you're very raw and you know we spoke there about your first book I'm not your baby mother which is what I really think kind of exploded you into the world um, (laughs) as such so what did make you write that first book like what like how did that all come about for you the, it, I, I, I actually was strong-armed into writing that book. I did not want to write a book about motherhood at all. That's what Body said when I asked yeah. him why he wanted to write a book. He's like, I didn't want to write a I book. I didn't want to. <laughs> I really wanted to write a book, but I, um, my heart was set on a version of Sister, Sister first mm-hmm. that publishers just weren't biting at. They were like, no, you should write about motherhood. Unfortunately, I looked at the parenting literary landscape at the time and I was not impressed. I was mm-hmm. like, if you want that, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to be yummy mummy-esque. It's not going to be like um, tongue-in-cheek. I think if I'm going to write about motherhood, you're going to have a very gritty, darker perspective because that's what it is. They agreed to that. Um, and then I'm Not Your Baby Mother was formed. And currently, as we speak... It's only one of two books in the entirety of the British Library about black British motherhood written by black women. That's incredible. And that only changed like the second half of last year. Since 2020 up until then, I'm Not Your Baby Mother was the only one in the entirety of the British Library. You could get many books about African-American motherhood. Mm -hmm. And when I was pregnant with Esme, that's where all my books came from. I had to get them all flown in because... Britain just didn't have that literature for a woman like me by a woman like me. And I still find that not only astounding, like disturbing. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Like, and do people um, say that to you now? Like, are people like because obviously that was you know was that 2020, 2020. that, that book came out? Wow, yeah. the dreaded year twenty twenty, yeah. and it still did incredible. But how has it has it changed at all since then in terms of the landscape and the market and kind of the reaction you had from readers that felt the same way as you? I think I think I think from the influencer perspective, the market has changed. Mm-hmm. There are so many more black. British mums blogging and vlogging and doing all of those things. I literally felt like one of one seven years ago. Yeah. That has changed. I think the the inside support hasn't changed. There's not, you know, there was that slight rush in 2020 after George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. We need all the diverse things, all the people. And now it's just trickled out. And I'm just like, oh. Inside, 
not a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. And I think that, you know, you you've definitely tapped into a market that's booming at the moment, but it's mm. absolutely crazy that there's not people writing about their own ex like because it, with all types of motherhood I think everybody relates to everyone else and as you say it's not white and fluffy and it's not kind yeah. of a bed of roses it's hard it's gritty it's raw it's honest and you know the best way we can learn is by knowing that other people went through the same thing and is that what you kind of want you know people to realize is that they're going through the same struggles and hardships and you know yeah. tough times with your baby that they're going yeah. through and I also as much as I'm not your baby mother is written from me a black british woman's perspective with a woman like me at the center of it white mothers have learned so much from Mm -hmm. that book i've i've had white fathers who have black wives you know i met someone i was when i was on a school tour the other day uh one of the teachers was a white man who's married to a nigerian woman and he was like i just want to thank you for i'm not your baby mother because there was so much I was going up against my wife for Mm. not realizing how deeply cultural this was. And she she literally just left the house for a week and left your book on my bedside table. And he was like, it was like a smack upside the head. He was Mm. like, oh, right. Here I am just dripping in top level privilege as a white man thinking, you know, why is my wife just not being cool like me? He was like, your book actually just changed the way I parent as a whole. Yeah. And he's a white guy. So I'm just like, it's just, I'm not your baby mother. It's just soaked into very different nooks and crannies. And I'm really grateful. But also I never want to be like lifted up or praised as like this one of one. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. guys, it is a great book. There's always going to be a story there, but it's not just me for God's sake, you know? Yeah. And also like, you're obviously an extremely talented writer, but also I think showing how much it exploded shows how much it was needed. And, you know, Absolutely. we need to kind of get more out there. And you've been through a lot in your life um and you when what I've always found is is you speak with such like reflection and conviction and you have such a positive outlook when you talk about things now retrospectively were you always like this and if you weren't how did you find that voice I wasn't always like this I unfortunately came up in a very negative naysayer type of community type of background like woe is me life is hard we've got the hard version of life hopefully if we're reincarnated we can get a better shot at it and I think I stumbled across the secret the book when I was like 20 something my dad must have died by then for sure now retrospectively of all the manifestation books, The Secret is like the most rubbish. I got, mm-hmm. I just got a cut to the chase. Like, But it's also very remedial. It's very primary. And, and you need that at some point. It's literally the first key to, to the first of a million doors, you know? Yeah. So I'm so grateful for it. But now I've like deepened my manifestation practice. I've noticed there's more material that I can engage with on a higher level. And that for me was the turning point. And unfortunately, 
but retrospectively, not unfortunately, most people that decide they're going to have a positive outlook have to be on their face before mm-hmm. doing this. It's so rare you're up there and you're flying and everything's great that you're like, let me think about the energy or yeah, how I can so transform true. my... You have to be on your knees. It absolutely has to be your last resort. Mm-hmm. And I'd got to a place in my life where I was like, this is the last resort, so let's see. And even without committing 100%, I saw results. Yeah. And that for me, I was like, girl, I only gave 20% today and look at the universe giving me the other 80. Wow. I know. <laughs> so what would happen if I, do you know what I mean? And so I would say uh, I got into the practice of, of being this way in my early to mid 20s, but I deeply committed to living like this when I was about 29, 30 It's amazing because I think, you know, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. If you just tell somebody that they look nice today, you know, you're you're giving that energy out. And first of all, it makes you feel good, but someone then gives it you back and it feels amazing. And, you know, I do still think like you're definitely meant to be on this planet to kind of be this voice because I think, you know, you've worked on it, but you also just always come from like such a reflective place but not in a way that you're trying to be like everything's great now like you Mm. you've got a deeper meaning to it which I absolutely love and I think is why you connect to so many people um one thing I do want to discuss is so when I did have Bode on so he (laughs) described himself as supporting and championing your plans for world domination (laughs) which I absolutely loved our listeners loved it um So how important is it for you to kind of live this life you want to live? Because we spoke a lot to Bode about, you know, he's, I don't even like using the word stay at home dad because it's Mm. like he doesn't ever leave the house and he's just (laughs) staying at home. Um, But, you know, how important is you to kind of live life the way you want to break the stereotype and just kind of like hear him say that? Oh, it's so important. As someone who spent far too many of their younger years dating men, who were as hungry as me in the same field or hungrier and 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 far too old for me no judgment on anyone else i realized that to really excel in my life and also have a family i'd have to be with a guy who just didn't want it like yeah. i did or wanted to excel in other areas so there's never that tautness like there's never a sense of competition mm-hmm. he's like You've got this event, you've got this thing to do, go, 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 you do that. And also when he goes away for a week with his friends, I don't know how to work the washing machine. Like, (laughs) I don't know how to cook a nutritious meal. Like, HMRC is calling me and I'm crying. Like, I... He's always like, how much petrol do you have in your car? I'm like, where do I find that sign? I bro? think you like, did that when we were recording. You came in, you were like, I need to go to school. What do I do? Like, like, I, and you need that. Like, I think any relationship, heterosexual otherwise, needs that balance. So I only think I get to show up in the world as Candice Brathwaite on a higher level because Bode is constantly in the back, mm-hmm. fixing a thing, fine-tuning an idea. Le- right now, he's become a producer extraordinaire. He's bought and a photographer. New- Mate, you yeah. see that? He's bought fancy kit. <laughs> he's got a new laptop. He was like, I'm tired of you outsourcing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of you um, being beholden to another photographer's schedule. He's like, if I can get it together, you've got an in-house photographer. Like, 
what the like that's game changing amazing and it but it is it's like why does it have to be gender specific why can't it just be you're in a partnership and how it works it works and this is it I know that you also had that in your kind of your upbringing you had your grandfather that was like the same for you and it's interesting that it's happened like this way for you like in your marriage I think that do you know I think that I, we can never question the way the universe does things and I think that was really purposeful because it just doesn't feel odd to me and because of the way Bode's mum raised him to like be in the kitchen and clean and do all of that it's not odd to him yeah. although it's tremendously odd to a lot of onlookers of ours they're like hey he he and how does he really feel about that and how does she really feel about and I'm like it just works. Exactly. Why shouldn't it work? <laughs> like, like, it just works. I find it funny because there are so many male chefs, but then if you ever say that like your husband cooks all your meals, everyone's <gasps> like, huh? What? Huh? I'm just like, what? It, it just works. And now I've got a lot of girlfriends who are in similar positions to me. They are the front phrase front-facing person you know I used to say all the time like I'm the breadwinner and that's not necessarily Mm -mm. true yeah because I couldn't even command the fee I do in some situations if body wasn't on pick up and drop off do you know what I mean so I'm like I'm not I, I, I can't do this alone and I've got a lot of girlfriends who like me are front facing and then when all of our husbands and boyfriends get together it's just really cool to just be in this room that feels very separate from the rest of the world where men have found masculinity in every corner of the space they own like it's not governed by what a magazine or a newspaper says definitely and it's a true partnership and that's what like a successful marriage is which I love um I mentioned as well that you're a fashionista (laughs) which I fully agree with um I wanted to just ask very quickly so because I think we don't put enough emphasis sometimes on the things that we wear just making us feel good and really helping with that positivity like you know I'm someone that I lie in bed at night thinking what I'm going to wear to work the next day because it makes me feel happy happy and it makes you feel good feeling good do you really kind of have you really noticed that like and especially with your audience on social media like how much that kind of changes like waking up every day and putting on a great outfit absolutely and also I've had time to really think about it on an ancestral level so my grandparents came with the Windrush generation from Barbados and my granddad always used to say like yeah of course racism was a thing but and he's and he's clear to to say that this didn't erase the racism, but he was like the difference between me getting that job and not was a three piece suit. Mm-hmm. It was a pocket watch. Yeah, like black people are historically obsessed with the idea of Sunday best. You've got to have your best church hat. You've got. Yeah, it's always been a theme in my life. Also, I was a ballroom kid, so I grew up learning to dance ballroom wow, and your that. outfits are like 80 oh percent of that experience yeah. the glitter the sequins the and so whenever I'm just having a, a particularly shit time my first thought is my outfit or my mm-hmm. wardrobe I distinctly remember like searching for a specific pair of tights when my dad died and people just being like dude your dad's dead and I was like and I absolutely know that and what we must own in this moment is how I want to look like the character Helena from My Chemical Romance can you help with that if you can't f off like like, even in the worst moments there's a part of my brain that's still like and how do you want to show up yeah because this is part of your history how do you know and also sharing that on social media 
um, I think has been really transformative for other people, especially because I'm not like a six foot 10 size two, do you know? And mm-hmm. I'm not like, I'm, I don't have 40 million pounds to spend on a house. So people are like, I get it. And like, if she with that body type and that budget can have fun. So I think also social media helps us give ourselves permission. Totally. When we see someone who we think we are in alignment with do a thing that we've always been told we couldn't, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. um, if Candy's rap rate's getting dressed up for that, I'm not, not. Do you know what I mean? So like... Exactly. And also like, show up how you want to be. Like, if you want to wear a dress and a fur coat to, you yeah. know, go and get your shopping down the road. Like, like, but also like, I see you try things on. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll try my like bright jumper on with yeah. that dress. Like, I think we can all be, I think what's great is, is that like, you know, I'm definitely inspired by people. Like, mm. I don't think, you know, I don't follow influencers and, you know, copy what people wear. But as you say, you can just take something really small from what someone else did yeah. and be like, oh, I've never had the confidence to do that. I'm going to try it today. Yeah. And also I'm very big on, it's manifestation. In certain situations, dressing as my future self oh yeah i'm like oh do you know what this meeting's really scary not really feeling it but candy's in 10 years who owns the boardroom what you yes (laughs) a power suit or or a power dress or something i fully agree something you know fully fully agree um that actually brings me on nicely to before we start talking about your moments i want to ask you what do you believe in when it comes to the sliding doors theory so the kind of theory that everything happens for a reason do you think it's fate timing coincidence what do you believe i believe I believe in it. I believe in fate and timing and coincidence. But I also believe that we are subject to making change Mm -hmm. or we are presented with a set of options that can change it either in the minutiae or on a really big scale. I don't, I'm not of the school of thought that we are just beholden to the world and, you know, to some degree, does everyone have a destiny and an intuition and a vibe they should follow? Yes. But even within that, there are choices to be made. And you get to decide, a bit like how you get to decide how you show up every day. Mm-hmm. You get to decide, you know, am I going to stay in this job or am I going to... Li-? Yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, and I feel like you're also someone that because this is what we can get to do on the podcast is look back at moments and you know in the time we don't realize they're sliding doors moments and we don't realize it could have gone one way or the other but actually we can look back and say okay well that was a bad thing that happened or a good thing that happened but it led to this happening and like is that kind of thing that you kind of really (gasps) believe in now I I say this all the time and I can see people who are just not on my vibration I can see them just get slightly enraged and or scared but I say often now my dad dying is categorically one of the best things that ever happened to me and I just see people be like that's such an effed up thing to say Mm -hmm. and I'm like because I was his only child and we were so close I know I would have spent 40 years trying to please him what what job does dad want me to do and who should I marry because dad's watching and like and as heartbreaking as it was having him taken out of my life so young it literally freed me up Mm -hmm. because I was like right there's no one to impress but me what shall we and do you know what I mean I'm like we wouldn't have I'm not your baby mother I wouldn't be with body I probably wouldn't have kids I'd be like a really unhappy solicitor somewhere who would have woken up when she's 40 and then had to like change path because I've got no 
I, 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 I deeply believe I would have ended up on this path, but it would have been so much later. Yeah. And we would have, just because we've lost time, missed so many great moments. And so as hard as that was, I wouldn't be the Candice I am now if he didn't die when he did. Yeah. And you're right, though. Like, you know, you cannot change your dad dying. So the only thing you can change is how you think about it after it's happened. And as you say, it sounds quite strange when you say it, but there's two ways to look at it. And if you take Mm. the positive route, it's going to lead somewhere else. And we're going to talk a bit more about that moment a bit later on, because it's one of your Slang Dolls moments. So I'll delve more into that (laughs) um, in a bit. But your first Slang Dolls moment is leaving my job in publishing. So um, I'm guessing this was before you became a big star. Um, So explain... Explain why you left and why this was such a big sliding doors moment for you. So I won this job. Um, Back in the day, uh, a massive publishing house had a competition called The Scheme when they were inviting people to apply for a role within the marketing department. Um, There were 2,500 applicants and only four positions. Oh, my god! And I ended up winning one of the four roles. I came into marketing there, though, just as money was being pulled away from billboards and given to bloggers. They were called bloggers then. Yes, I remember. (laughs) And a large portion of my day was spending hours on the phone to these bloggers as they told me I charge this much for this to be on my blog and and I was I was like making I I literally made notes every day and I was like you're in the wrong job this is what I would say to myself Mm -hmm. the the money they're charging for the job they do like and my daughter was 18 months at the time so I'm craving that flexibility you know and all I knew is that I had to build an online platform that, you know, that was, I was like, right, these people have large-ish followings, you know, mm. okay, so I have to do that. And then one day, I think my daughter was unwell, I'd been called away to collect her from childcare, I wasn't feeling well, I was like, I quit. I really? absolutely, like, I just quit, On which is, it's so classic Candice and Pisces. There was no plan. It's always just like, I'm done with this. I was going to say, like, how do you make those decisions? Is it gut or is it just like impulse? Uh, it's less impulsive now, but it's always gut. Yeah. Bode has really refined me in terms of strategy. Mm-hmm. And de- and he's like, a bit like we say in our house, a delay is not a denial. It's just the smart thing to do. Yeah. He's like, I'm not saying no, but just... Just wait so that the transition is smooth mm-hmm. for every. And now I've got kids and I've got employees. Like, I can't just be like, <laughs> I quit. Because yeah. then someone else's mortgage is not being paid, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm aware of that. But Candy's back then. Hey, it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it did not matter. So did you just literally one day be like, I'm going to quit? You didn't have a plan. You were just like, no this isn't plan. right for me. L- resigned on the spot. Never went back. Wow. Um didn't actually know what I was doing. I think I took my last paycheck and bought a secondhand camera from CEX and two box lights, which I still use to light my podcast to this wow. very day. Um, and I was like, let me just take a shot in the dark. Between quitting and having a paid job from social media, it was four years. Wow. Four very dark, very broke yeah. very angry years like but they were so angry with me because he's like you've won this great job publishing is a place that you can just put your head down and mm-hmm. climb the ladder you know me getting that job really put our head above the poverty line because before I had that job it was hard ta- harder times than you could even imagine so yeah. I've got a job we're doing okay and he's like you've put us right back to mm-hmm. ground zero He's like, I'm staying here because I love you, not because I like this. Like, I'm annoyed by this situation. And 
bless Bode's heart. We've been together 11 years now. And it's taken him just as long to trust my vision. Yeah. Because there's been multiple times since then where I've been like, I quit. I'm not doing that. That's not right for us. And he's just like, I'm annoyed. Here but I know again. she's right. She's always right. Yeah. And I'm annoyed. Like, And so everyone in all our friends say that I'm the magic and he's the logic. Which and is why he, it works. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and was there ever, so you said there was like a four year period. Was there ever oh. a time, and I'm sure there was in that period where you were like, why did I, like, did you question yourself of making that wrong decision? Every single day, every yeah. single day. Like, uh, it was just so hard, like having, not only not having, of course that's hard, but it's then networking and then putting myself in situations where I'm the only black woman Mm -hmm. surrounded by white women with a lot of means. There was a lot of that for a long time because I'm trying to break into an industry that is stone cold everything I'm not Mm -hmm. in every sense of the word. So it's even going into situations and just swallowing the microaggressions, just la la, it was hard. Yeah. And also like, I think I speak to a lot of people about this, you know, when people are trying to become entrepreneurs, sometimes everyone says you've got to dive in, you've got to quit everything else and just put all Mm. your attention on. Do you feel like, you know, quitting that job at that time, you know, even though there were times during that four years where you were like, oh, I shouldn't have done it. Do you think you wouldn't have been able to get to where you did because you're, you know, mentally, you you know, because you're mentally free from the job? Yeah. And that's why now I tell younger people, I'm like, quit whilst there's no kids. Quit Mm -hmm. whilst there's no mortgage. Quit while there's no one to impress. Do you know what I mean? Quit whilst your name's not on the council tax bill. Now is the time to be like, I'm not doing that. Because as soon as real adult responsibilities come around, it makes quitting so much harder. But again that was it it was just the perfect time for me to quit you know the thing is I hadn't been in publishing long enough to not remember the scent of being broke Mm -hmm. so it that didn't feel new I was like yeah "Yeah, we we were broke 18 months ago we'll be fine you know we can do if that gap had got bigger and bigger it would have been harder Harder. to quit yeah and what was your dream growing up has publishing (gasps) always been the dream for you yeah being a being a writer writing stories I think I declared at four that I was going to be like a writer amazing like yeah I just and and not just a a writer I I declared that I was going to write books and I was going to be Oprah and I was going to have my own tv show manifesting literally and I was so like (laughs) I was so just and not only was I confident in that my granddad and my dad both fed that they were like yeah of course here's a mic like do you have your lines my my dad had this old JVC camcorder where he'd record me like reciting yeah yeah. <laughs> so it's always been there but that again that's what feeds like the ambition and that's what feeds everything as you go through and what happened then after those four years so what was the first kind of thing that worked for you in kind of what you're doing now after that job do you remember what worked for me I remember the job I got was with Dove with baby Dove mm-hmm. I was asked to be on a panel about parenting and by now I'd been in the scene on the scene long enough for businesses and brands to now be like oh we're messing up here mm-hmm. like and I never lie about this the up that there's the upside to being one of one is they're only ever gonna call you yeah there were some days I was like guys you've asked me to do five panels I'm one person but everyone's so desperate because they're like but you're the only black woman in this yeah. place we actually can't call anyone else like 
please. And you know, I'd be dragged from pillar to post. And there was a beauty in that at the time, as hard as it was being the only one, it also was like, okay, I'm able to have way more opportunities because now brands don't want to look like they're getting it wrong and there's only one person to fill that gap. So actually, as hard as it was, the payoff for those four years, I think came in pretty quickly. Although it was never overnight because it's been almost, Esme's nine, so it's been almost 10 years now. Um, it did It did start to even out. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, I think that's where you learn your craft. You know, at the beginning, like, you are doing a lot of different things. Yes. But I also, I just love the way you've always had a focus. And I do sometimes think you've got to be like, I'm all in for this. this. And you're right, at the yeah. time when you didn't have too much responsibility and body has probably eaten his words now and is like I trust you if you want to quit just do whatever you want um and I really always love asking people how different do you think life would be now if you hadn't have quit that job at the, even like there's one thing saying if you hadn't have quit the job but if you hadn't have quit it at that time how different do you think things would have been for you because you you joined the blogger world at that time yeah. when it was you know up and coming I think I would have been a very jealous person Speaking about emotions, I would have been really jealous because I have no doubt another black woman would have seen the gap in that market and she would have cornered it. So there would have been a lot of resentment for not following my heart. Like, mm-hmm. so I would have been very jealous. Um, and life would have been fine. I think I would have worked my way up in publishing and would still have the two kids. And But also it's how that decision has impacted not just my household, but even close friends. So like in 2020, Bode quit his nine to five, which he hated for years. And then like, I have friends who are even single parents who are doing two jobs they don't quite like, but one they love because they're like, I can see where the love will. It's just, you Mm -hmm. know, that force field of energy has shot outwards. My children... My daughter's like, yeah, I'm going to build cars that run on, I don't know, hydrogen oxide or something. I'm like, don't know what you're saying. (laughs) Wicked, love it. And I'm like, I absolutely believe you only think like that because you live in a household where everyone's like, we live the dream, baby. That's like... (laughs) But it's the ripple effect. And it's also just knowing that like, you know you've got to earn money but anything I say this anything's yeah. possible like it really anything. is and like if you have the dream as long as you're sensible and you know yeah. you need to earn money to eat and you yeah. know live you know try every I, I love that and I can't wait to see what your daughter do you know what I mean I'm just point. like I'm, I'm, I'm here for it I'm here for it because I, I I came to this point of my life with a lot of lack lack of thinking type baggage Mm -hmm. like oh it's not gonna be me like I'm not special I have no nepotism I'm not chosen my kids have been born into a space where they're like it's me I'm the chosen one like I'm like oh my god (laughs) you guys have like the biggest head start I know it's it's ridiculous (laughs) it's honestly ridiculous but they'll always have you guys to ground them which is really good always um I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. So on to your second moment. So your second moment is not going to this guy's house. It's Ooh. hard to explain, but I just know deep down he would have killed me. That's so this so is a deep. deep one. It's deep, yeah. um, which I love because I feel like it's got a bit <laughs> of a sixth sense vibe, which is like yeah. all about me. So who was this guy? Why did he want you to go to his house? And why do you feel like he would have killed so you? So it was a guy that I met online. So there's the first shady part. Yeah. And like, I never should have agreed to go to his house. But as I got off the train, like, and I'm walking towards his road, this cloak of dread, that's the only way I can describe it, just got thrown on top of me. I'm sweating a bit. I'm feeling ill. Like, even my physicality, everything in my body is going, no, no. My body's literally shutting down. There's just something in me. And then he's texting me furiously. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? You said you'd, you said you would have been here seven minutes ago. Are oh you even gosh. sure? Like, and I remember getting to his road yeah. and like working out where his house was because like the numbers and stuff and just seeing it and being like, if you go in there, you're not coming out, not in a body bag. It it wow. was just, and to get that close and like I, I was living in Brixton at the time and he lived pretty far And just to hear that so loudly, so clearly, and again, people, people who don't believe in that stuff, I know they always question that, but I've, I've, I've never heard God's voice louder than in that moment. Really? Oh my God. It was like the clouds had parted and a God was like, I, I cannot help you beyond this. Like, you you know, again, those choices. This is your sign. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like. You you hear me or you don't. Like, I'll greet you warmly if you don't hear me, yeah. but you here's your thing. And I remember just turning on my heel and going home and then, like, over the couple of hours, just the most ferocious, angry, sweary voicemails. Wow. Which just added to my feeling. I was mm-hmm. like, that you're weird. You're weird. And it's more than just not meeting someone you think you like. There is a there was a plan at hand yeah. that you didn't get to see through mm-hmm. and you're pissed off. Yeah. And I was like, I remember like blocking his number, but that's always something I've held in my heart because I remember I had a school friend by the name of Sally Ann, and Sally Ann was raped and murdered like three doors away from her door. Her mum even heard her open the gate. So she's put her hand on the gate and the guy who had been following her has quickly like come up behind her and dragged her to the alleyway. The next day, a neighbour says to their husband, who's left a mannequin? Sally was very tall and very skinny. Who's left a mannequin in the alleyway? Like, could you go and move that? And it's, and she got murdered when we were like 17, 18. And I just remember me and my school friends just being very awoken, like being like, shit, bro, this is real life. And I remember shortly after that, having an argument with my best friend at the time. And he, even though we'd argued and we'd never argued like that before, 
he followed me all the way from Shoreditch to Croydon on the train without saying a word. Mm-hmm. Watched me go in the house and shut the door in his face and then he went home. And obviously, as the years went on and we retold the story, he was like, because Sally was always at the forefront of my mind. He was like, yeah, we'd argued, but I would have felt hellish if I didn't see you home safe. And so years later, to really just feel that energy, I was like, I mean, what it's an incredible story, because I think whenever we hear we never think these things are going to happen to us, number one. We see them on the news, we hear the stories, and we also think, well, I definitely do, that I would know if it was going to happen to me. I would never put myself in that situation. And you realise how easy it is to be in that situation. You know, you're trusting, you're just going to go meet a guy for a date. And I think it's so... I think there are so many times we do things and we're like, oh, just go with it. It's fine. If it gets to whatever, I'll leave. Do whatever. And to make that choice, which is such a sliding doors decision Mm. in that moment, because it's not easy to just, you were there. You were at his house. He could have seen you. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's a very strong thing to do. it's, It's truly sliding doors because if I did go into the house and he did kill me, do you know, I wouldn't even be able to say, oh, I, I should have followed my instincts. I couldn't say that. I know, I know. And it's, but it's such, it's, it's a, because at the end of the day as well, even if you'd made, even if you were totally wrong, right? And yeah. that wasn't his intention at all. It's better than the other scenario. You know, exactly. you're not losing anything from making that decision. Yeah. And now um, I've I've got to a place in my life where I think I was saying this to my personal trainer the other day. My personal trainer, we also align well because he's about manifestation. And I said, I'm at a point in my life where I don't like God shouting at me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, turn down the volume. I get it. And also don't shout at me and don't humble me publicly. Yeah. You got an issue, we're keeping it in the house. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to do all this public embarrassment. I'm a big girl now. Like. <laughs> and I think part of that is responding to your instinct as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. To kick off this year, I've made one of the hardest decisions of the last five years. Yeah, it's pretty up there in terms of decisions. And this has been something that's been on me for about two years, 18 months. And it's just got to a point where God is like, do you want me to shout? Even louder. I've been whispering. Yeah. I sent an owl. I've texted your friends. I I will shout. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. It's fine. I'll do it. I'm I'll doing do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> but amazing. And how amazing that you can kind of like hear that voice and feel yeah. that voice. Because I think that when we're in tune with that, that's when we're truly kind of following the path we're meant to. Because, you know, whether you believe in God or not, it's yeah. our gut, you know, it, it's yeah. inside us what we feel and what how we want to respond to things. And I think I think this is an incredible moment and it's an incredible moment for people to hear as well because it's also just one of like, if you want to get off a train because you're worried that someone's staring oh. at you, like I do this, like sometimes I'm like, am I making up that that guy's staring at me? I'm like, Well, even if I'm making it up, if it makes me feel better, get off the train. Also, this is such a woman thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's such a woman thing to like try and package it down. Oh, I don't want to... I don't want to look crazy. I'm blowing it out of proportion. I love to blow things. Blowing things out of proportion <laughs> is my speciality. I'm off, like, I'm getting off the do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, I don't care because the reality is, especially where we are in the world with women's safety mm-hmm. and how that's not taken seriously, you have to be your first like policeman. You do. You know, you have to be the first person to be like, I'm not deserving of this, and I wish it were another way. But if my instinct is trying to keep me safe 
follow it. A hundred percent. And that is such a strong message. And anyone listening, follow that advice. And yeah. I'm very glad you didn't go to that guy's house because <laughs> we, won't, we won't be started talking today, but there are a lot of other things won't have happened. So again, meant to be for you. Um, thank you for sharing that moment. And on to your last one, which we mentioned briefly before, but I really want to kind of delve a bit deeper is, is your dad dying. So you're very open about your family life, which is amazing. So, you know, people can relate yeah. to things that, you know, they've been through as well. And this, as you said, was such a poignant moment in your life. So explain kind of what happened to your dad and why this was such a sliding doors moment for you. So I was an au pair in Napoli in Italy at the time. And I spoke to my dad on Wednesday and he was like, he called me canned. He was like, yeah, canned. I'm just like full of cold. I don't feel too well. We, we, we spoke via email over the next few days and then look walking it backwards so many strange things as ever I woke up number one my watch had stopped working although I'd got a new battery a week later that was odd yeah my host family have gone to Rome for the day to see other family and I'm out on the balcony and two massive crows descend on my coffee table and are barking at me like and I'm like I'm trying to get off the balcony so quickly coffee's gone flying and like it just wasn't a great morning yeah I go to sit down at our very old computer especially old back then and I'm sending my dad some photos of the night before where I had met my other Italian au pair friends and met up with some guys. We'll get back to that later because I, I think these things are all tied together. And I'm sending him these images and he's not responding. My dad lived with his Blackberry in his hand. Like he yeah. was a very quick responder. And whilst I'm emailing him, I'm getting emails from, he was a solicitor. I'm getting emails from his law firm. Uh, and I it didn't register at the time, but it was his other colleagues. And the emails were simply saying, call me urgently, call me urgently. Hi, it's Tom, call me urgently. I emailed dad again. I'm like, whoa, you guys, your server's been hacked. Like, oh, who's clicked yeah. a dodgy link? I'm getting these very repetitive emails. Um, Then I go to phone his house phone because mm-hmm. he's still not responding and the phone is engaged. And in that moment, I knew. Yeah. So everything just start the puzzles. I was like, he's not responding. Who are these people? My dad and his wife never, ever, ever used the house phone. It's just, it's just not, the fact I even called it was quite weird. Yeah. I then called my maternal grandmother. So not my dad's mum, my mum's mum. Dad's not answering the phone. I think he's dead. And she's like, You sat, are you okay? Number one, are you drunk? Like, what the hell? What is wrong? I'm going to call the house. I'm going to find out what's going on. You just relax. And then a couple, about five minutes go by, and my nan calls me back. And before she even speaks, I knew just the the weight of the silence and I just hit the roof I'm like I'm so angry I was like I told you I told you why didn't you believe me I told she was just like it wasn't making long story short he had a cold which quickly turned to the flu which quickly turned to pneumonia then septicemia this happened within the course of like four days he was on his way to see an Arsenal match and decided to stop in at Whips Cross Hospital before he went to the match because he felt so bad and he ended up going into cardiac arrest in the waiting room of A&E and he died in front of other people like they couldn't even get him into a bay quick enough unfortunately by the time he'd gone to hospital 
it was explained to us that, oh, we, we could have delayed the death, but, we, you know, maybe you could have come home in time, but that's the most, like, it was really? a wrap. Yeah. And he was 41. Wow. And so, 41, I've got other siblings on my mum's side, but I'm his only child. Mm-hmm. And, like, my world just kind of comes crashing down, like, almost in slow-mo, like in a snow globe. Because um, it's down to the little things, like, he was booking my flight home for Christmas. And it's yeah. like, oh, how much? My host family sorted everything out. But, you know, in your mind, like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. I just couldn't. Wrap your yeah. head. Yeah. Anyway, came home, burial, all of that. Years later, I'm like, what's so interesting is the guys we met the night before in Italy, I had a weird feeling about. And we were all due to meet them that night, the Saturday night. Yeah. And it not just a weird feeling. I remember they dropped us home and they took like the long way around the city. Oh. And like... You know, like, yeah, and we were like, again. guys, guys, this is not the way we live. That type of vibe. But we decided to be young women and not listen to that and meet up with them. My dad dying meant that every girl cancelled that evening out. Yeah. You know, everyone was focused on getting me home. And I, again, I don't know what to tell you. I sometimes think my dad died to save my life. I can't... Really? It, I'm like... I get Whoa. it. Like, but that's the thing. So you, you you can only talk for yourself and there are things that happen and ways that you feel when certain yeah. things happen and it, you can only explain it by a feeling. Yeah. I'm just like, hmm, what would have happened if we went out with those quite strange guys again? I don't know. Oh my I gosh. And how old were you when this happened? 20. Wow. So like you were very much in that stage of like, you know, getting into your career, deciding yeah. what you wanted to do. And you and you mentioned before, like, you know, you said your dad dying, you know, was you wouldn't be where you are now if that mm. hadn't have happened. What, like, so where were you in terms of, like, was your dad, did he want you to become a profession? Like, what was he in terms of, like, yeah. in terms of your career guidance? I think he want, he totally supported this little travel moment I was having. Before Italy, I'd spent almost four months in India, so I was deeply committed to like having, cause I wasn't going to go to uni or so I thought I, I didn't want to go to uni. And so I was using travel as like a way to stall as a yeah, placeholder. Delay. Yeah. Knowing that when this year was over, he was going to be like, well, <clears throat> do you want to live in the real world? Like I support this, but also it's time to like go and get that degree so you can come. And I had been working as a receptionist at his practice when since I was 15 mm-hmm. I'd started part-time and then I'd upgraded to like taking files to court in the summer like he was really doing the whole let's seed it kind yeah. of thing you know and he's like you know you can go to uni and then you can you can you can like practice under someone here and maybe one day you could be partner and I'm like yada 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 mm-hmm. so I think I know for sure my life would have taken that trajectory just to please him yeah you know um although when I was eight my dad did say his biggest dream was to be a sports writer and I remember as we're eating ice cream he was like but I was a black kid born in the 60s it was never gonna happen and so sometimes I think I've almost skipped a timeline and get to live a life he couldn't it's really strange but I'm just like how it all slots in and and I think like you know when you can say it's very I mean 
you can sit here now and say, you know, my dad dying was like one of the best things that happened to me. Mm. But for everyone listening, how <gasps> how did you get to to say that? And what are the things that kind of make you believe that that's true? Number one, guys, it took ages for me to get there, over 10 years. So please, like, I've only really, I'd say in the last two years, come to that realisation or that thinking. And what makes me say that is just how wedded I was to pleasing him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so many young people are like, oh, what advice do you have? I'm like, my biggest piece of advice is learning to disappoint people early. Mm -hmm. The sooner you learn to disappoint people, the better your life on your terms is going to be. Especially as a woman, especially in the black community, it's so much pleasing, bending, pleasing, bending. Got to do this to appear this way. The sooner you learn to piss people off, including your parents, you're off to the races. And I, at no point in in our living relationship, was I ever like that with my dad? Was I ever like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. I should tell him. I was always nervous to do it. Now in our spiritual relationship, I'm like, shut up. Like, sometimes I hear his voice. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, pipe down. You had yeah. your time. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> like, um, But, you know, in human form, I just didn't have the strength to say that. Mm-hmm. And I think when the person you love the most... And, you know, you want to live up to whatever expectation they don't necessarily have of you, but of themselves. And now they see themselves in you because that's the problem. I think when they are forcibly removed from the chat, as sad as you are with the tears, your shoulders also come down over time because you're like, well, it's just me then. Yeah. And and also he was 41. Yeah. I was going to say, did it change your outlook on like living life? Oh, my God. Yeah, like, that's also, like, you know, you can be here today, gone tomorrow, let's live. Ah! So, like, number one, as I said, he died with his Blackberry in his hand, which doesn't surprise me, because I did say, bro, like, they literally had to, like, unwrap his cold (laughs) fingers from that bloody thing. Um, And that also showed, like, how how wrong it was for him to literally work himself to death. Mm -hmm. To the point that when he was laying in the chapel of rest, my grandpa, his dad, was like banging on his chest and was like, get up, Richie, because he's called Richard too. Get up, Richard, you've got to go to work. You've got to go to work today. And like, they'd put a little pen in his blazer pocket to be like cremated with. And I was just like, oh my, you know, you're sad and you want everyone to have their moment. But now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, all anyone ever saw you as was a worker. Yeah. Go to work? You're literally yeah. dead. <laughs> not go to the pub. Go to, like, I was just like, I was like, oh my God, that cannot be my end. Like, yeah. you know. And is it something that always kind of is in the back of your head now, as in like, you've got to live, like, like what you want your life to be remembered for and what you want it to be about? Every single thing, even when I'm having to make hard decisions and they're always hard in the moment, Right. I now make decisions, this sounds weird, but walk with me, guys. I make decisions from 90-year-old Candice perspective. Good, good idea. I don't make decisions based on 35-year-old Candice. I'm like, right, I'm 90 and I'm looking back on this timeline. Is this decision going to make the... It is, so we got to do it. Mm -hmm. I work that way. Like, I'm very like her. At the end of my long, wonderful, fabulous life what decisions are going to shift the needle and pull me closer towards that 90-year-old version of Candice? 
and what don't need to suck my energy out of me because they don't really matter. They don't matter. Yeah. No one's shoving a pen in my face over my dead body. Literally. Be all your books will be piled up. Literally. But no, it's, it's such an important thing to talk about because so many people go through loss and it's not easy to sit here and explain why that impact is good to you or whatever. But yeah. to show people that, you know, there are things you can take from these situations and, you know, you can you can use that for the better good and like make sure that their memory lives on in a positive way yeah. I think is amazing and I think it's so good that you share this with people because I, it's inspiring and it means that you're gonna you know I always say whether you help one person or like three million people it's like it's just the best thing to be able to do and also again people might believe they might not believe I have gained the the a1 like spiritual angel I deeply believe there are scenarios and things my dad can see when I can't Mm -hmm. I believe he can have an overseer type view and he can like he doesn't do it often because we've had this conversation I've been like that really freaks me out so only intercept when you need to Mm -hmm. but whenever my dad shows up in a dream now I sit up and I take notes quite literal physical notes because I'm like ah okay okay I get it (laughs) I I know what you're doing it's fine like and I, I I think because of the life I was destined to have there was a part of the energy that was like, she needs guidance Mm -hmm. in a way that isn't human. Oh, Candice, I could chat to you about this for ages. (laughs) You've gone into dreams now. That's going to take off on the right of the tundra. But um, I feel like we're going to have to leave it there. But honestly, it's been so lovely to chat to you. Your moments are brilliant. You're just such an inspiring person. I think you're doing so good. You're definitely doing what you're meant to be doing on this planet so well done keep telling stories keep spreading every message and um i'm just excited to keep following your journey oh thank you for having me this has been great thank you thanks candice bye thank you so much for listening to this episode of sliding doors if you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring i would love it if you could rate review share and subscribe thank you so much Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.